Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com, and you are listening to the Prospect Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 2nd. I'm actually recording this the night before because we've gotten a lot of NFL news on Tuesday. Joe Mixon signing a contract extension with the Cincinnati Bengals, the talented running back, entering his fourth season. Uh, Taylor Decker, the Detroit Lions left tackle, to me one of the most underrated left tackles in all of the NFL, signing a pretty big contract extension with the Detroit Lions. This is going to be kind of the money podcast or more finance-based than I've done on any of the other uh, prospect podcasts over the past two weeks because that's really the biggest news that we got. We also had yesterday, it floated out there that Alvin Kamara, Josina Anderson, reported that the Saints running back or the Saints were looking or open to trading him. Uh, There has been some negotiation between Kamara and the Saints organization, obviously, there's been nothing agreed upon it at this point. After the Josina Anderson tweet went out, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, a few others chimed in and said that he wants closer uh, to $16 million per season like Christian McCaffrey has, not 12 or 13 like the Saints are willing to offer him. Uh, I think putting it out there that the Saints are willing to trade him and want a first-round pick, that's just the Saints using the media to try to get position and gain some leverage. Kamara 
it, it wouldn't make any sense for the Saints to trade him. I tweeted that instantly. That was my initial reaction. Drew Brees is 41. Emmanuel Sanders is 33. They brought him in as the perfect complement to Michael Thomas. Cam Jordan is 31. This team has a great defense right now. Drew Brees is probably playing in his last season in the NFL. The offensive line is still good. It really would make no sense for a team like the Saints to say, all right, we're going to trade our star running back at this point. However, I will say I totally agree with Michael David Smith, the Pro Football Talk. I retweeted two of his tweets on this, that there's two things that are both true at the same time. Kamara is a super talented running back. He's a great pass catcher, great vision, cutting ability, contact balance, juking, very elusive. He really kind of gets lost among the top running backs in the league because he does catch so many passes and doesn't have a ton of 100-yard games. He's not a true workhorse by the traditional sense because of the offense that he plays in and that Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are the focal points. Um, But we have seen so many running backs succeed in that offense under Sean Payton and with Drew Brees at quarterback. And that was MDS's point that Pierre Thomas, Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, Mark Ingram, there have been so many running backs who have been these multi-dimensional threats, great in the screen game that is designed very well. And for a long time, the Saints have had one of the better offensive lines in the league. They've done a good job scouting in terms of the draft up front and bringing in free agents uh, on the offensive line. And with Drew Brees, you don't necessarily even have to have that great of a line. He gets the ball out so quickly. Uh, But in the run game, all those running backs have been very productive with the Saints. So it's Kamara's talented, but really the system is what creates so much production from the running back position. So it might not be fully uh, just positioning by the Saints, but I think this close to the season for them to come out and say, yep, we want to trade him when we're all in for one final Super Bowl run with Drew Brees. That seems a little bit crazy to me. I, I don't think any team in their right mind even Bill O'Brien with the Houston Texans would trade a first-round pick for Alvin Kamara, uh, who's entering his fourth year in the league and wants $15, $16 million per season. He's very good, and I think Saints fans would think of him in the same light as Christian McCaffrey because he's had three seasons, weirdly, with 81 catches in each of those three seasons, but he's done more from the get-go than Christian McCaffrey has done in his first three seasons as well. I mean, there was uh, some time early on in his career in Carolina where people thought Christian McCaffrey was maybe going to be a bust. I've seen the last two years, especially last season when he was outstanding, that he's probably the most potent one-two punch at the running back position in terms of being a runner and a receiver. But Kamara's up there. He's an elite talent. Uh, but I don't think any team would ultimately trade a first-rounder and then pay him $16 million. So that was, the, I guess, the biggest rumor that was out there yesterday. Uh, I certainly would not trade a first-rounder and pay Alvin Kamara that much money. I, I do think the Saints' scheme is has a lot to do with how productive he's been, despite him being a very talented running back. Um, but switching over now to the financial side, of things. Uh, Joe Mixon's contract, as of right now, Spot Track has 
Joe Mixon's four-year, $48 million contract extension with the, the Cincinnati Bengals with $19.3 million guaranteed at signing. And that is by way of a $10 million signing bonus, $1.3 million of base salary this year, and $8 million of his 2021 base salary, all guaranteed, fully guaranteed. No matter what happens, he's getting that money. And that's actually only the seventh highest figure in that, to me, the most vital number in any NFL contract guaranteed at signing dollars. So there's six running backs, some of which are on their rookie deal, some of these first-round picks at the running back position, uh, Saquon Barkley being one of them, that has more that had more money guaranteed at signing in his contract. So you look at four years, $48 million, and you think, man, that's a lot average per year. But really, this is a two-year, $19.3 million contract for, to me, one of the most naturally talented running backs in the league. We're just talking about Alvin Kamara, he's very talented as well. I think Mixon's a step ahead of Alvin Kamara in terms of his downfield juice. Uh, he was... It has not been used as much as a receiver, of course, uh, as Alvin Kamara has in New Orleans with the Saints. I think he has more receiving talent just from watching those two at Oklahoma and Tennessee, respectively. Joe Mixon at six foot and 225, his lateral agility, his explosiveness from the second he touches the football, vision, runs through tackles, bounces off tackles. What he's been able to do behind a mediocre at best Bengals offensive line in his first three seasons, I think it's been outstanding. Uh, if he was in the Saints since his rookie year, I think we'd be talking about him as a top three running back and he'd be you know one of the first fantasy picks every year. So I think the Bengals, for as much as we want to frown upon extending a running back today after his rookie deal or near the end of his rookie deal or after he has been given a lot of touches, I'm okay with this one because as a few more contracts come in, Alvin Kamara is probably going to get more than Joe Mixon. This is going to be like around the 10th highest paid running back in the league, and I'm totally fine with that. After being a second-round pick, they weren't really paying him a lot, so it's not as though um, he was already eating up a lot of money. He's barely cost the Bengals anything, and now he's, again, the seventh highest paid running back in terms of fully guaranteed at signing. So I like this move for the Bengals, fortifies that position for the next at least two years as they build with Joe Burrow. They don't have to worry about a stagnant running game. I think the offensive line is still a pretty work, pretty much a work in progress. Getting Jonah Williams will certainly help um, off his rookie injury or his rookie year injury that he had. But the rest of the offensive line does need some work. But Mixon, I would like to see him used more out of the backfield as a receiver because at Oklahoma, there were times down the seam he was making difficult catches over his shoulder and was incredible after the catch. They used him in that wide-open Oklahoma offense often and as a wide receiver or just as the number one target on a screen or a swing pass or a Texas route out of the backfield. I want to see more of that, and I think – that uh, Zach Taylor will use Joe Mixon more as a wide receiver uh, this year because he is talented and now he's making a lot of money. You got to get the most out of these players when you're paying them a lot of money and they're still relatively young. So $19.3 million fully guaranteed at signing for Joe Mixon. It's not totally confirmed because I just saw that on Spot Track, but I didn't see it. 
anywhere else on Twitter. Ian Rappaport tweeted the details, and the, it was all the salaries over the next three or four years. But it didn't say guarantees beyond the signing bonus that is obviously guaranteed. Uh, so, But with Track having it, I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't put it on their site if that wasn't confirmed somewhere. But if it is the case, $19.3 million for Joe Mixon is the seventh highest among all running backs in that vital category. Moving over now to Taylor Decker. Detroit Lions left tackle. We don't really hear a lot about him. He's had some injuries, and the Lions offense was really cooking last season before Matthew Stafford's injury, and then after that, it was kind of difficult to watch them on the offensive side of the ball. And for some reason, I just, I don't know, we don't really hear a lot about Taylor Decker as being one of the better left tackles in the league. I think he's a top three or top five young left tackle in the NFL, and he's being paid like that now, 37 $0.5 million fully guaranteed at signing, second highest among all left tackles, only behind Laramie Tunsil. It's kind of weird at the top. Laramie Tunsil, Taylor Decker now, and right behind him, Nate Solder, uh, one of the worst contracts that we've seen in the NFL in the last couple of years. Uh, I think $34 million just below him. So those are the top three at the game. one of the game's most vital positions, left tackle. I think it's worth it. Taylor Decker, if he's healthy, He's boring to watch. He's, and I say that a lot during the scouting process. You watch Taylor Decker, you don't see him pushed around very often. You don't see a lot of hurries. You don't see a lot of devastating blocks, but you see him in the right position. Is a little bit more powerful in the run game than he is as a pass protector, but has the length, has the athleticism, had a lot of experience at Ohio State before he entered the NFL. I remember really liking him as a prospect when he came out in 2016, I believe, uh, that he just checked all the boxes, that he wasn't this dancing bear, he wasn't this extreme mauler, he wasn't super nimble, but he just got the job done, and he's done that thus far in Detroit it's interesting. It feels like Matthew Stafford's been the quarterback for like 20 years just because he came into the league so early and played right away, re- rebounded from those early career injuries in the NFL, and usually puts up good statistics. Uh, i just interested to see him in year two in Daryl Bevel's offense when, like I said earlier, we saw Matthew Stafford playing at a very high level last season before he went down with that injury. Serious injury, but apparently he's healthy, still has one of the strongest arms in the league, and has elite arm talent. And what that means to me, it kind of means something else or something different to everyone. He can make throws accurately with velocity, from different platforms, if his feet aren't perfectly set on the run. That's what arm talent is. And Matthew Stafford, it's like guys can have strong arms. Like Joe Flacco always had a strong arm. I don't know how much arm talent he had because he needed to be like in the pocket, staring down his wide receiver and uncork a 70-yard bomb or rip it over the middle on a dig route. Matthew Stafford is athletic too. He can be running and throw at sidearm and still deliver a fastball, you know, 25 yards down the field near the sideline and on target. So Matthew Stafford, uh, he's only in his early 30s. He's been around forever, came into the league at 21 years old. I'm interested to see what he does now with Taylor Decker, his left tackle locked up. Um, again, second highest paid left tackle in the NFL in this Daryl Bevel offense, adding DeAndre Swift, a running back who I was not very high on, compared to the masses, but does have receiving ability. Kerryon Johnson, Kenny Galladay really emerged last season, even without Matthew Stafford. 
going over 1,000 yards. You still have Danny Amendola, who can get open even into his 30s, and Marvin Jones, who's one of the more underappreciated complete wide receivers in the league. He's good in contested catch situations, great at the intermediate level, will get open, good after the catch, still pretty fast, can hit some big plays. There was a lot of chatter or speculation from NFL analysts over the summer that, like, could the Lions, like, make the playoffs? Could they win the NFC North? I don't know if I see the latter. I think they could compete for a playoff spot because they've added a lot of pieces on defense. I still think that's the weakness of the team, ironically, with Matthew Patricia as their head coach, um, that you would think that defense would really be their strength right away. I think they have to add a few more pieces to that secondary, to the linebacker group, and even up front. But with Matthew Stafford in this offense and now having his left tackle, not having to worry about any contract situation, Taylor Decker is one of the better left tackles in the league. We don't hear about him a lot, but I just had to bring him up because he is a very solid player. He's not probably ever going to be an all-pro but I don't think you're ever going to see a season where he is remotely close to being a liability. He's had some injuries, but it's good that he's healthy for this offense. Frank Ragnow on that offensive line at center is a mauler, outstanding balance. I, I really like what they put together, especially with those two pieces on the offensive line in Detroit. All right, that'll do it for me today. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast.